You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Dude, what? My day started with my phone falling in the toilet and got worse from there. That's hard to imagine, but I believe you. It was like everything went wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Phone in the toilet. Phone is fine. That's cool. Um, missed the train because I was busy bleaching my phone. Uh, I was like running up the stairs just out of so gas, like being like, no, as the train pulls away from me at the station. Um, On the one, okay, but there's like a one benefit to just barely missing the train because when you have run up the stairs and you're breathing like you just climbed Mount Everest and you get on the train, you have to like modulate your breathing. Pretend like you're not absolutely gassed from doing minimum effort. Yeah, for sure. So they don't think you're going to die. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So miss the train, got on the next one as one does. Um, uh, I get into work and major crisis all day. I was busy all day. Everything went <laughs> wrong. I just, yeah. Um, I just, yeah. Oh, I got locked out of the office because my key card wasn't opening the door and I was stuck out there. <laughs> Everybody else was in a meeting so they couldn't hear me knocking. I mean, it was so bad. At one point I took my AirPods out and my iTunes on my computer opened up and started playing our podcast and all of a sudden <laughs> in my silent office everyone heard the of our opening and I paused it as fast as I could and my new co-workers people I do not know very well were like was that a wolf howling and I was like no it was not <laughs> no it was not and then I had to explain the podcast to everybody which I'm fine very proud of our work yeah. Same season. But um, I mean, like nothing was going to go in the right direction for me today. So this podcast better goddamn go in the right direction today. See, nothing really happened to me today, but I feel by virtue of the fact that um, I don't have a fever this time, it's just going to go better. You looked nasty for me. last time. You I felt <laughs> nasty, I'm sure. I went to take my temperature when we were done. It was 103. I felt like maybe I would die. I feel like we should have gone to the hospital. <laughs> no, it was fine. I called my mom. She talked me through it. Okay. I sat, uh, I actually laid down on the floor. Pro tip, if you're not feeling well, for whatever reason, lay down on the floor. I'm not a floor person. I know I you're a floor person. I'm a floor person. It makes you feel better. Um, and I basically, my sainted mother talked to me for an hour while I took my temperature every 20 minutes. And then when it was safe to go to bed, I did so. Um, but because I'm not worrying about my brain cooking inside my skull, Today, I think this is going to go better. We're going to kick ass because yeah. now I have a grudge. Like, you know, like I'm going to do I, on purpose. I will do well out of spite. Vengeance for your day. Yeah. On the podcast. Yeah. I need to prove myself. Every, every day of my As life. a functioning human being um, on this podcast, the Teen Wolf Free Wolf podcast, a podcast where it doesn't sound like it, but we do talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. And uh, this week, we're kind of talking about a little bit of a special episode. Um, might not be super special if you're just kind of blowing through like a lot of people do on their rewatches, but this episode is really special to us because it is written by friend of the podcast. Will, Will Wallace. Will Wallace. Uh, this is season five, episode eight, Ouroboros. And um, yeah, it was like, I, when we kind of realized that it was Will's episode, we're like, this is great. We were very excited Friends. because we, when we, before we sit down to watch, we write down who wrote it, who directed it. We set up our pack stat system. Very intense. Not at all. Um, and we were just so excited to get into it. 
Yes. Yeah. We have our first siren, so that also oh. bodes well. Mm-hmm. Or does it? <laughs> Dude, you know what's spicy? Hmm. City of Chicago. This place was an effing swamp today. Everything was so sticky. What's funny about that Ugh. is that the humidity is like 20% less than it was yesterday, and it still feels terrible. No, I swear to God, not when I was going to work. It was like swimming. Down the street. Yeah, it, was it was so nasty. like 85 degrees in my room. Yeah. Everybody came, everybody came into work. They're like, I'm so sweaty. <laughs> Except for like the one guy who drives. And he was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. It's like some of us. Bite me. Take public transit. <laughs> Every time that uh, I would go into my former office and they'd be like, do you need a, park- a ticket to validate your parking? I'd be like, how many people say yes to that? And can they give me a ride to work? Because I'd prefer not to take the L, but. I like it. I It's funny how much I'm reading these days because I have just 40 minutes of sitting on the train time. It's true. Um, I, I do love public transportation. I would never want to give the impression that I do not. But on a day like today, it'd be nice not to be um, on the L while it is soup. Soup. I soup. literally was sitting there and I was like, I feel like melting jello. Yeah. <laughs> and not like... Regular Jello, like Midwestern Fourth of July barbecue. There's like fruit chunks in it and maybe marshmallow pieces. Melting Jello. To anybody Thank who's you. not from America and had to listen to that description, <laughs> I am so sorry, but Google Ambrosia. It is disgusting, nasty. Um, not very nasty. This episode of Teen Wolf, we could have seen some serious, gross violence in this episode and didn't. No, it was um. Really well paced. Um, we got to see some more Dread Doctor stuff, which I, I really like. Um, I think that, you know, watching them drag people unconsciously to the hospital is kind of fun. Um, you know, we've got some personal issues that people are trying to work through. There's a little bit of panic. Someone needs to use their inhaler. Scott. Yeah. It's like steampunk. It's edgy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, before we get too into it, I think we have some serious thanks to dole out. Um, yes, we do. So this week has been, we have felt the love from the Wolfpack more so this week than maybe ever. And that's not discounting the support we receive from our listeners. It's just that this was a serious boom. Um, we have received incredibly generous donations to our coffee, um, which Again, like <laughs> the fact that anyone listens at all and anybody wants to donate to listen is crazy to me. Um, we had a lot of people buy stickers when we finally launched our Teen Wolf Free Wolf stickers, which we've been promising forever, especially in the Facebook group. People have a lot of strong opinions about what we should have put on the stickers, and I think we were able to deliver some of the good ones. There's going to be more designs coming, so don't worry about it. Um, we got some reviews that we're going to read, but I just want to express my like utmost thanks for the people who listen to this podcast Wolfpack, like you are for sure the reason we get excited to do this because every time we put up an episode, like I know we're going to hear like uh, we're going to get a DM on Twitter or somebody's going to post something in the Facebook group that starts a really good discussion. It's just awesome. Um, and the fact that, you know, again, anybody would want to give money to our podcast is crazy. Um, the fact that you guys want to have our merch and cover the world and the Rewolf stickers is crazy. And I just can't thank you enough. 
Yes, and do want to note that um, some of the uh, generous coffee gifts went to help design that merch. So we're putting it right back in the podcast for you guys, um, and we are really, really grateful. Yes, yeah. we. Um, my uh, my sister is a printmaker, um, and we commissioned her to make some of our stickers. She'll be making more in the future, and we're really excited about it. Um, if you guys want to donate to the coffee, that's going to be ko-fi.com forward slash Teen Wolf Rewolf. No pressure, but again, we are so <laughs> incredibly thankful. Um, we're not asking. It's just there to cover the price of the pod. And then if you guys want to buy the merch, you just we're Teen Wolf Rewolf on Redbubble, and that link is in the bios of all of our social medias, and you guys can have Teen Wolf Rewolf stickers. Um, and we also got a very nice review. Reminder, if you guys leave us a review on iTunes, uh, leave us five stars. We read it out on the podcast and give you guys a shout out on whatever social media platform. So Julia, do you want to read that for us? I do. And I also want to say that um, I get email updates when we get um, new reviews. And so my email is often the first thing I check when I wake up because I have a sickness. And uh, getting to see this review when I woke up at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning was just like the cherry on top of my day that had not even started like it really got me off on the right foot so um this is a five-star review from our friend cat petty um and she says i literally want to be best friends with both of these humans side rants on rewatch podcasts can be tiresome but theirs are literally so funny i will have tears streaming down my face short king jesus iconic obviously i also love the teen wolf discussion and how they highlight the good and make light of the bad it never feels like even in the show's weaker moments they're trashing it I'm an actual TV critic, and their analysis sometimes feels more elevated than mine. I also love the Q's and O's, how quick-paced they can keep their conversation and banter, and the love for our communal husband, Dylan O'Brien. I thought I was a good podcaster, but these ladies make me look like a total rookie. Thanks for making my day brighter. This podcast genuinely helps ease my anxiety on rougher, darker days. I get to just laugh. Yes. I mean, (laughs) like, I'm incredibly thankful for that review, but, you know, yeah, like, Th- that's kind of what we want to be here for. We just want uh, to be the, a little bit of levity in your day, even when we are completely lamenting over the woes and ennui of season five. Like I, that's exactly what I want to be to people. And that, and that just makes me so happy. Cat is cat underscore rights on Twitter. If you want to follow her, she's delightful. And like she said, she is a TV critic. So if you want, you know, if you want to hear voices outside of the rewolf echo chamber, you can follow her, but also it seems like she wants to be our best friend. So she might be a voice in the Teen Wolf Rewolf echo chamber soon because we'd love her to be our best friend. We sure would. Yes. Should we talk about this episode? I suppose we shall. We got like excited to talk about Will and then like a million other things to talk about. Uh, but 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 let's break down uh, Ouroboros before we get into our recap. So we said it was written by Will. Written by Will. Um, directed by a gentleman named David Daniel, who um, has worked on uh, a few different shows. Roswell, um, doing cinematography and directing, um, and a bunch of other stuff. Cool. Yeah. Very into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we <laughs> have to do the recap. Every week it is pulling teeth. Every week I have to do the <laughs> recap. And it's like, not even every week. It's twice a week right now. Like Twice a week I get emails. Yeah, you, you'd think by now I would be used to it, but no. No, but um, we're going to give you a minute okay. to try and do your best. Because I do have to go first. It's true. Bogus. Okay, well I've got my timer. And if you're ready... I will. You get... have to decide when I'm ready okay, because well, you know that I am deciding right now in three, 
two, one, go. So Deaton rolls up to Chernobyl to find out more about the Dread Doctors and finds a bunch of failed experiments. And then the Desert Wolf is there. And then Scott and Millie are looking for Liam and Hayden. And Melissa calls the sheriff to deal with the body. And then he's like, I won't tell anybody about the body. And then calls in for help. And Melissa slaps him for preparing her. And then Hayden's sister finds Kira and then arrests her because the sword and the body. And then Theo and Styles hear the murder over the radio. Uh, the Dread Doctors continue experimenting on Hayden. Uh, Parrish wakes up in the shower and is like, what the F? And then Yukimura show up and they, and Mr. Yukimura takes, takes the blame for the murder. Liam, uh, takes away Hayden's pain. Kira tells Scott that she has no memory of what happened to her. Uh, Scott rolls up and then goes through Corey's memories, like without consent. Crazy. The dread doctors attack, uh, Hayden and Leah again, uh, Hayden and Liam again. Uh, Melissa refuses to cooperate with the police. Hayden's sister tells the sheriff about Styles and Theo's library cards that night of the 911 call. Some guy named Zach has his wings cut off and like tells Hayden and Liam about the other failed experiments in a cage. Styles and Scott fight over what the plan is going to be. Scott is being super erratic and weird. Uh, the whole squad were... I got halfway through. That is... Uh, I really... You were cruising, though. Well, okay. I kind of felt like I was hoofing it, but I really realized when that uh, alarm bell went that I was not going as fast as I thought I was. You know, so... just trying to add in the detail, the spice... Uh, the like we do every week and I then know. we realize it doesn't get us anywhere it does not but i feel <laughs> like i'm giving an incomplete episode if i don't give a little bit well if i don't editorialize it honestly if i'm being yeah, honest exactly. with myself no. right? yeah i uh understand and empathize with that feeling great so uh empathize em- em- empathizing <laughs> My brain kept trying to say emphasize, but no, empathizing with that feeling. Are you ready to do your 60-second recap? I will try not to do my worst. (laughs) That's the best we can ask for, baby. And go. Okay, so Deaton and friend are exploring an abandoned Chernobyl plant, um, and they're like, oh, the men and the master are coming for us. They find the uh, Dread Doctor's science lair in the Desert Wolf. Um, It's like, where is my daughter? Um, Scott's looking for Liam. Melissa calls the sheriff to, uh, you know, find the girl on the table, and he calls Dishpash, and they think it's Kira. Um, Hayden's sister finds Kira on the road and is like, well, I'm going to arrest you now. Styles and Theo accidentally, like, happen to overhear that. Um, Liam and Hayden are at the Dread Doctor's. She's getting worse. Um, Mr. Yurkimura shows up to save uh, Kira slash also the sheriff from like explaining the supernatural stuff um, Liam tries to take Hayden's pain and it doesn't work um, Scott shows up and Kira's like well I don't remember anything he's like well that sucks I have to leave and he goes to try his claws trick on Corey um, Melissa writes about the supernatural in her police report and the sheriff's like what the hell is this um, Clark's find the report that um, Theo and Styles were at the library for the prank call and they're like that's weird Scott sees the dread doctors taking Corey um, through the water treatment plant and they're like oh that's where we have to go Liam and Hayden meet another chimera named Zach who had his wings ripped off everybody uh, wants Scott to slow down but he's like no I'm gonna go anyway um, the cops and Parrish are guarding the body at the hospital, and um, Styles is like, "Actually, dead. No, please, oh. just." <laughs> I don't think I think <laughs> I got halfway through the episode. I will say, I think we mm. made it to the same point, which makes me feel better about yeah. my failures. Which, again, I told you all, I was done failing for the day, so not a failure. Just you know, just what happened. The it's just way what it is. Just the, yeah, you know, just the way the cookie crumbled. Uh, do you want to catch us up on what the rest of the episode was? And by the rest, I mean the other half. <laughs> sure. Um, so Nishiko was trying to help Kira read the Dread Doctor's book, and she's like, "Oh, you should read backwards." Um, basically Scott, Malia and Mason are going through going in circles and we, you know, get the scene like multiple times. Um, Corey wants to leave, but he remembers that there's a house and Theo's like, well, I'll go save them. Um, Kira remembers that the dread doctors found her in traffic on the night of senior scribe. And they like did something to her eye that awakened the, you know, Kitsune deep inside her, I guess. Um, and Parrish gets so hot that he vaporizes the sprinklers in the hospital and that then was just cool attacks fuck. everyone. Yeah. I thought that was great. Um, 
Scott is like so freaked out that he has to use his inhaler. So it's coming, you know, up again. Um, there's like an Ouroboros symbol on the wall. So like the Dread Doctor's definitely there, but they can't get to them. Theo ends up saving Liam and Hayden because he, he quote unquote found them from what Corey remembered. Um, but he knew. But he knew. He, he been knew this whole time. Um, the body is gone. Hayden is not uh, healing. And they're like, your condition worsens. Everybody uh, hugs because... Weird. <laughs> Liam and Hayden are back safe. Kira um, decides that she's going to leave because she's out of control. She's like, the answers aren't in Beacon Hills. And they kiss goodbye in the rain. Um, Scott thinks that something's changed with his friends and that it's his fault. Um, Styles has actually figured out the parish is the one taking the bodies, even though he like left and then came back. I'm confused by the timeline there. Um, Back in Ukraine, the desert wolf is like, is my daughter still alive? And Deaton's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then she's like, well, I'll actually just kill her. Um, This is the definition of an everything happens so much episode. I feel like every episode of season five has been an everything happens so much. Will definitely had a lot on his plate to sort out. Um, and I said to you while we were watching, this has been the best paced episode of season five so far. Yeah. It's been the most fun I've had. It felt like it clipped in the best way. And I, I also think that season five suffers from a little bit of like, there are plot episodes and personal episodes instead of sort of synthesizing the two. And this is more of a plot episode, but it has been one of the more successful ones. And again, like being able to just sort of be engaged the whole time cannot be understated in the watching experience. So that is very cool. I'd agree. Um, we're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of guilt right now. Everybody has made enough mistakes throughout this season thus far. Cause we're on episode eight that they're starting to weigh on them in a ways that we haven't really seen from our main cast, uh, yet. And it's resulting in, you know, really strange behavior. Um, sort of maybe even a return to form for some characters. And I think it's, it's a pretty pressing issue and it's, it's interesting to say, you know, we're talking about guilt on an episode that with the exception of Kira leaving ends on kind of a happy note. It ends on um, Liam and Hayden being saved, but it's a big question of, you know, what could I have done more? Um, yeah. And I'm really interested to talk about that with you. Is there somewhere you would like to start? Well, having mentioned Kira, I kind of would like to start with the sheriff and Melissa. And I guess we can throw Kira in that mix as well. The whole thing with the dead body in Melissa's kitchen. I think it is um, a serious reckoning for the sheriff and for Melissa and how they deal. It's almost an issue on like parenting principle. Mm Mm-hmm. And obviously the sheriff feels like he has not been doing his job correctly by letting things slide after finding out about the supernatural. And Melissa thinks, seems to think that it's his duty to continue to let it slide. But I think that like, and I think you kind of agreed with me, I signed with the sheriff a little bit. He should want to be able to, like, because his biggest thing is he's like, I need to give the people who love this teenager closure like we can't just hide for the fact that they're dead from these people. And like, we need to at like at least pose investigation. Um, and I know, I know why Melissa doesn't want that to happen, but it doesn't, you know, because it works out in the end, because the body is removed and Mr. Yukimura, um, is set free and Kira, you know, is absolved. 
it, it, it becomes really hard to side with Melissa. And I think you're supposed to, which is why I'm a little bit intrigued by, by what you think about this episode. Um, I mean, I can certainly empathize with Melissa. Totally. She's like, these are my kids. I'm going to take care of my kids, you know? She's freaking out. We're also coming off of a season where I feel like the majority of the sheriff's time and resources has been around protecting um, supernatural kids because uh, of the Deadpool. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's kind of used to that attitude from him. Um, And Melissa... I don't know. I, I feel like their sense of responsibility to the community is very different. Um, and so of course their understanding about how to deal with this problem is very different, but I agree with you. Um, you know, the sheriff looks at this situation and one, I think it is an affront to um, his understanding of like the moral responsibilities that he has in his job, but two. I don't think that he sees any other alternative. Well, you know what's interesting is it kind of feels like they their difference is in where their jurisdiction lies. Mm-hmm. Like Melissa um, is obviously a caretaker and a healer, and you know Hippocratic Oath would do anything to save anybody who came into her her care. Um, but primarily, she's looking after like her and her, you know, Ken Falk. So that's the pack. Whereas like by definition, like the sheriff is supposed to protect his county, his community, his yeah. community. Um, and so he is having a hard time, like r- sort of realizing to her how much it's, I, I don't want to say unfair because obviously she's looking after a child and you're always going to choose your own kid over anybody else, but how much it sort of tips scales when you automatically always care for one group as opposed to the other. Like it's almost even a problem I think in the sheriff's mind of equity. Oh yeah. That's definitely the way that it's presented. Um, because I, you know, one of the things that, I found so endearing about the sheriff getting to learn about all of this supernatural stuff was like one of the first things that he did was he pulled out all these cold cases and he was like, Oh, this is going to be my opportunity to solve these cold cases and give people closure. And I know we've talked a lot about propaganda and the roles of the police on this show, but if we're talking about like Noah's heart, um, really what he wants to do is do good for Beacon Hills. And he sees closure and going by the law as doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, I, and like, you know, again, like I don't think Teen Wolf is like intentional propaganda. Um, or yeah, I don't think that that's, that's the goal. Um, I think that's just the nature of how cops are perceived in media. Um, but yeah, I think if we want to look at like Noah, even saying his name as opposed to the it's sheriff weird. as, as, as an individual, as opposed to a representative of a whole, mm-hmm. he too feels bound to his community. And, um, that poses, uh, an impasse between him and Melissa. Um, again, Melissa's point, I totally understand. Yeah. Um, and I think that she too feels guilty. I think that she has looked at all of the things that have happened to, the kids in her life, like the children she feels like she protects because, you know, there's a little bit of like sort of with Kira, I'm assuming a little bit of sort of like in-law feeling like that is 
the girl my son loves. So that mm-hmm. is how I love her. Um, because Melissa is a normal parent who's cool with her yeah. son's relationships. Um, and to her, like she would never forgive herself for giving Kira up um, to the law um, because in her heart, she knows that Kira is innocent and whether that's, and you know what, like, and I think that especially after Styles goes through the whole Nugitsune thing and we're all quick to forgive him after that, like, I think that that must be where her mind is. Oh, totally. Because that is what I was going to say. Um, later on in the episode, I think that it comes a little bit from a point of practicality in addition to being really protective because she writes a police statement and the sheriff is like, what the hell is this? You're writing about kitsunes and werewolves and things that any saint, sane person looking at this report would say that you are crazy. And Melissa really is just trying to make that point. Well, like if you, you know, you brought this into your station and if you're trying to bring Kira into it and you're trying to bring the supernatural into it, that is going to snowball. And it's going to bring even more problems, not just to your door, but to my door and to my kid's door. Yeah. Like the practicality, not just of shielding Scott um, from, you know, his girlfriend being accused of something she may or may not have done, but also just keeping him protected from instances where he might have been accused of something or, you know, other crimes can be pinned to him. Be like, crazy shit has gone on in Beacon Hills. Yeah, and I think that that is totally a manifestation of how guilt affects people on an individual level. Yeah. Like, where the sheriff feels like he's failing, he reverts back to the way that he used to do business because that was when he, like, last when he last felt the least guilty because he didn't know anything about the supernatural. Whereas Melissa feeling guilty overextends into protecting. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a, a really interesting <clears throat> dichotomy to, uh, to talk about, especially with two characters who we really rarely see conflict between. Yeah. Um, you want to talk a little about, about Kira in this, uh, kerfuffle as well. Yeah. Cause she, um, you know, obviously is involved in all of this because it's her sword and she's been having all these issues with being able to, um, being incapable of controlling the kitsune within her. Um, and she has absolutely no idea what happened. And we've seen in previous episodes that like Scott has had to stop her from killing someone. And then her mother has to like call the Fox out and very nearly like get their head chopped off for it. Um, so of course Kira must be feeling this like crazy sense of guilt, despite the fact that she, um, I mean, we're fairly certain that she did it. But we're not a hundred, like she doesn't even know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and I think that her, uh, experience of guilt is kind of in the balance between the sheriff's and Melissa's. Um, and for, for all she knows, which means for, for what she believes she did it. And that's why she's so insistent on leaving. You know, I think there was, there was no talking her out of going once that this kind of dawns on her because even if there's a part of her that's like no it wasn't me I'm good I would never do that there's always that sense of doubt and I think that doubt is always a gateway to guilt deserve it or not um and I uh I just keep thinking about like when like Styles like does the uh the desk prank and it's a the box full of 
screws mm-hmm. and then that's like the sh- the shrapnel bomb thing and he can't get it out of his head in in season three that's totally how kira would have been feeling the second it's implied that it was her doing something like you can't remove yourself from that and then her fate is in the balance of two adults feelings on the matter and she, it's almost like her feel experiences aren't even really being taken into consideration. Does Kira would, I mean, like I think that Kira probably would not have had her dad confess. She mentions that she, they couldn't get him out of it because that's basically what he does for her. But yeah, anybody would do anything for their child. Um, but there's a part of me wondering like, does, does Kira not only feel bad that her dad confessed, like gave a false confession, but also does she feel like she belongs there? She says she doesn't remember. She says she doesn't remember. But when you say you don't remember, it's like, well, that means anything could have happened in the interim. Yeah, I actually think that Kira is kind of the one person who is dealing and synthesizing her guilt in such a way that um, actually might help her move forward. Um, Because whereas the sheriff is focused on, you know, getting closure or justice for this girl, Kira realizes that there is nothing that she can do in this particular scenario, whether she killed that girl or not. And, you know, of course she thinks she did. Mm -hmm. Um, And so her reaction to that under this extreme burden of guilt of having taken someone's life is to leave because that feels to her like the only solution. And I actually think, it is kind of the only solution. Well, yeah. I mean, like if you see yourself as the problem, you, and you need the only way to fix a problem is to remove it. She's doing that. And that's, you know, again, a a reflection of guilt because somebody who doesn't think that they did anything wrong would have stuck around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's really interesting too, to think about, um, how she's reading the dread doctor's book and she finally figures it out and realizes what they did to her. And we've been thinking about, well, you know, to, to kind of go back a couple of episodes, is Tracy guilty for having killed her father and that, you know, driver, um, and almost having killed Donovan? Like does, would Tracy the human bear guilt for that? Or is it because she is a product of the dread doctors meddling? I mean, yeah, I think it, it got, I mean, we already sort of have the baseboards for this one and that yeah. is season three B. I think the most unfortunate thing is that season four did not actually dive into Styles's uh, experiences post Nogetsune. Yeah. Because I think that would have been, I think that would have just set us up for a far more interesting discussion I agree. on what you do when you're not all there. Um, but Teen Wolf doesn't bury their dead or carry over seasons, as we well know. Uh, so that was not quite up for discussion. I uh, I think that you raise an interesting question, though. Like, is she just... I, I mean, we think... I, I can't sit here and be like, yeah, Tracy is guilty. She killed her dad, you know? There's something not right up there. Same with Kira. Exactly, yeah. But you, as a person experiencing that, don't always separate that... Don't always, you know, give yourself that delineation. No, it, like, it the, can... like, the whole reason why, like, you can plead insanity or whatever. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, I don't necessarily know if you always give yourself, like, that length of rope, right? No. Um, and... Yeah, you just you don't cut yourself enough slack. I kind of want to move into talking about Scott. Let's do it. Scott is having the most severe reaction to his own internal guilt in this episode in a way that feels so drastically out of character. I just don't know, because we've seen Scott experience guilt before. We've done episodes on guilt, I'm certain. 
Um, this feels out of left field. It doesn't, I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I'm like the plot lines of Scott and Styles should have been switched in this, in this season, you know, over and over again. Like I just keep coming back to that. I have been thinking, I was thinking about this the entire time that we were watching the episode. Um, because I think, you know, throughout the season, the writers have been trying to show us that there is something wrong with Scott and that he is somehow different. Why? Not sure. Um, but he, you know, uses Hayden as bait. He goes in and he tries to pull those memories from Corey. And the weird thing is I can actually see Scott having done that under careful consideration. Yes. No. And it really wouldn't have actually saved that much time. Like it wouldn't have actually wasted that much time for to be like, Corey, even if he wasn't going to be like, can I have your permission? If he was like, I'm going to do something, don't be afraid. Or even just explaining what it was. Or, you know, someone else bringing it up and Scott being like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Let's give it a try. The fact that he barges into that room Mm -hmm. and it is like it is so first of all, we have established that this practice violates you just on a level that even if you are Derek and or even if you are Peter, like Mm -hmm. and you have consented to this, like it is so viscerally uncomfortable yeah. To have this done to you. And it could kill you because he's literally putting his claws into Corey's spinal cord. Yeah. Um, and the fact that Scott, on the heels of the last episode, where his plan got his beta and his beta's girlfriend kidnapped, that he would just rush in and do that is crazy. Well, I, again, like, I, yes, I can be like his sort of reaction to guilt is being like, I need to fix this as quickly as possible, but that's not Scott's normal reaction to guilt. You know, he doesn't want to fix it and he works really hard to fix it, but I feel like the normal reaction is I'm going to do whatever I can, not I'm going to get this out of the way. I can't, I need to reverse the process immediately. Like that, the urgency is what strikes me as strange. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously Everything in Teen Wolf is urgent. Everyone is dying all the time. It is the basis of the show. But, sorry, what were we going to say? No, weirdly enough, I was going to say that this episode, um, at least to me, didn't necessarily feel as urgent as it could have. And so that's that's also part of why that's I feel so weird. interesting, because I think the reason why I didn't feel as sort of like, why isn't anybody doing something, goes back to how well I thought it was paced. So I think the urgency actually does align itself pretty well with this episode it the urgency from scott is what feels strange there's just like some lack of tension yeah well i think it's funny because the fact that styles is the one being like yo scott slow down we gotta talk about this i'm like hey shouldn't that be the the other way yeah well yeah i mean i guess that's like the point or whatever um, to juxtapose them in that way but you also have lydia in the room and lydia is horrified yeah yeah. She says things. Well, Lydia is also one of the people who's had that process done to her. Mm-hmm. And if I were her, I would have been like, uh, yeah, we're not friends anymore. After watching you do that, no consent. Yeah. It, it is. completely violates Corey's bodily autonomy. And I just, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily see Scott doing stuff like that. No. It, it seems really... But this is not, a, this episode specific, like, it really does come from, like, a season of you know, strange behavior. And I really wish there there was more assigning of that to the dread doctors or whatever the 
telluric currents. Oh no, I I I wrote this down like a long paragraph because this is something that I did want to say and I did want to you know bring up what you were just saying that in the past Teen Wolf has always given us supernatural explanations for the reasons that people, um, you know, behave the way that they do. Or even for Allison's villain arc, we know exactly why that happens. Mm-hmm. Like, we are we are handheld up to it, which is fine. Like, that's what I need from that kind of character development. But because, like, we have this um, example from the rest of the body of the show as to why people act the way that they do based on, you know horrible trauma or horrible supernatural oh, I influences. I think the beta pack in season two is like the perfect example of that. Like, or even Peter, like not, eh. well, not to excuse anything that like Peter is doing, but when he is the alpha initially, like he is still, um, you know, he was in a coma for literal years. Like it's not an excuse, but it is an explanation. We don't get any explanation for this. You're right. At all. Um, yeah, well, okay. So the last thing I want to say, say about Scott's guilt is that I am very impressed with the fact that it comes with a physical manis- manifestation, which like you can explain by being like, well, when the pack weakens, your alpha weakens, but giving Scott asthma again, when he never had that Great. as a beta mm-hmm. is clearly psychosomatic. And I think that that is a really impressive way to express the guilt he's feeling. Yeah. I really like that too. Um, shall we move in to talk a little bit about styles? Styles who doesn't have a whole lot, a whole lot to do, but, but makes a very rash decision based on guilt. Mm-hmm. So Styles obviously, after being confronted with the fact that he's his library key card has showed up in the system, um, throws it away. He threw away evidence, you know. And as Styles, who like whatever, like son of a cop, has all these feelings about law and order, blah blah blah, goes to be in the FBI. Okay, actually, hold on. Copaganda <laughs> sucks. Is is this Styles going into the FBI? Yeah, is cop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, boo. Um, that's an, an incredible act of guilt, and it strikes me as interesting that like his dad's response to guilt is to take responsibility, and his is to deny it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Styles, I think, can very clearly, they both, I think, can see the consequences of the things that are, you know, causing the guilt. Um, you know, the sheriff feels this guilt over, you know, denying people closure, denying, like, literally his, jo- his job, his life's calling. Styles knows that because of what he did, this guilt that he feels, he thinks that if Scott learns that he is this guilty that he will lose his best friend. Mm-hmm. So they're two very different. Um, well, it's not even just Scott. Like when it comes to his dad asking that question, yeah, it's this, about his, his dad. dad too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who is his only parent. Also like his dad could throw his ass in jail for killing Donovan. And he says earlier in the episode, there's no excuses for anyone anymore. That's not true. But, um, you know, styles, I think, also, again, coming off of, you know, the whole Nogitsune season, we're Styles act- killed we, someone else. This whole episode, we've been acting like season three, <laughs> like season five is followed by season three. And I'm kind of like, I wish. I wish. Th- season four. I liked, we liked way more than we thought we were going to. Liked way more than we thought we were going to. But now that we're getting more into season five, 
I'm kind of realizing how when I was watching it for the first time, it felt so disjointed from the arc of the first three seasons. But now you realize it's season four, which is good, but very much a sort of soap bubble. On it the feels side. separate. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. I actually, this episode made me forgive season five for a couple of, of things, you know, seeing people like push to their limits, seeing that there was, you know, an attempt at sort of pushing Scott and styles. Like, I think that this episode made me realize that season five doesn't, um, vilify styles as much as I thought that the season did. And actually is sort of reflecting more negatively on Scott than I ever anticipated. But you're right. I think that it would be way clearer if it had followed three. So I think, yeah, I mean, wrapping up on our like conversation about styles again, small part, smaller part of this episode, he's sort of more there to bear witness to Parrish, which is important. Um, and obviously it's great that he was there for Parrish picking up the last body and is there for picking up this one. It makes his experience in knowing that it's him far more valid. Um, Mm -hmm more reliable if you will uh but i kind of want to talk a little bit about liam and hayden again this episode is super super ensemble based so everyone is kind of experiencing things in sort of minute chunks but right now i think liam's uh biggest hang-up is that he a little feels like he's responsible for hayden's traumas right yeah which is um I don't want to say sweet, but... They don't know each other that well. Let's, <laughs> let's be real. Let's bring that out right now. He definitely feels responsible for what's happened to her. And because the Dread Doctors are, like, doing whatever they're doing to her. Um, well, there's something interesting that Zach says when they're in the, like, cage. Where he's like, well, he, he, they're turning us into things with fangs and claws. And then it kind of cuts to Liam quickly. And I think that that is sort of a thing where Liam is like, oh, maybe I've always been the problem because he is a thing with fangs and claws. Yeah, I, th- I found that interesting, too, um, because, of course, Zach probably doesn't know. No, I don't think so. Um, but, of course, like if you're a chimera and you have never been in- immersed in the supernatural world, you certainly think that it is um, an aberration. It is abnormal. Mm-hmm. Um completely outside of the norm. Um, and he also is the only person to, to be like, what are they, what are they going for? Like the fact that we've just completely lost sight of what the dread doctors are actually after. I want to know. Yeah. I'm, I'm confusion. I want to know. I know it's something about like (laughs) eternal life or some fuck. Like there's that Nazi in the tube. Yeah, but it's so late in the game of the season that, like, why don't we know? God, <laughs> why I don't just, we know? Um, yeah, but I, I think that Liam, you know, views the fact that Hayden is in this situation and he's like, this is my fault. Um, he, It's a little bit like I brought you into my world and that was not the right decision. And it's not that he was the one bringing her. It's that it was his world and then she was there and he cares about her and then assumes the role of guilt. And he also trusted Scott to help him out. And Scott was like, actually, Hayden's bait. Um, so Scott, like, betrayed Liam. Well, yeah, and, and, and he doesn't really even put that on Scott. It's more of like a, why did I trust Scott, right? Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. An, an, an interesting reaction. Um, Hayden has no guilt. She's just... 
a, a victim. Yeah. Of very much bad so. character development. Oh, R.I.P. I know. <laughs> Someone called her like the dollar store Selena Gomez. <laughs> that was very funny. Uh, sorry, Hayden. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting, and I, and it's weird to sort of think that the more romantic part of their relationship is being bored from guilt. Um, but I don't even necessarily know if that's it. You know, I feel like he does feel guilty for bringing her there, but it's actually that guilt that's manifesting feelings that might've been there previous. Yeah. It's like, and and I mean, at this point it's like trauma bonding. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot to say about our other characters. I will say that Mason is feeling very wrapped up in things right now. It has been a siren night. I've counted four so far. Oh my gosh, Chicago, yeah. are you okay? I feel like we had weeks and weeks. With no, no sirens. None whatsoever. So you know what it now, is? You know what it is? Summer and people are vaccinated. It's about to get crazy in our neighborhood. People are behaving like Badly. absolute animals. Yeah. So yep. not surprising. Yeah. One of those uh, days on the L when I was coming home where somebody was just rapping loudly. Yeah. The entire ride. And I was like, cool. There was, there was a man, no mask, drinking a carton of low fat buttermilk. You got to stop bringing that one up. You need better L stories. It bothers me so much. I literally, I cannot stop thinking about (laughs) it. Um, um, but yeah, I, I, I think I did just want to say that like Mason now feels responsible for both Liam and Corey. And that's going to be a really interesting uh, character moment as we move on with him through the season. He's not a huge part of this episode, so I don't want to spend a lot of time. But obviously that those are going to be his like foundational relationships as we go into part two of season five, which is obviously yeah Mason important. I also think it's very funny that because Mason is Liam's best friend, he's kind of automatically like put grandfathered into the pack and they're like, fuck you, Leo, Theo. Yeah. True. <laughs> like Mason's allowed. You're not. Yeah. Um, thoughts on Theo. He feels no guilt. He's no, it's a good, little, good it's little actor. Brilliant. Yeah. What a good long game. He's such a liar. I know. Thoughts on Parrish. Um, I, I mostly just feel bad for him. Yeah. Because he has no idea. My ideas on guilt with Parrish is like, if he knew what was happening, how would he feel? Yeah. I also, I find it a little frustrating because Parrish, the hellhound, and I don't know if I'm like misremembering, um, the latter half of season five totally might be, but the hellhound is, I mean, obviously like he beats people up. But ultimately, his his job is to, like, ferry the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and whoever stands in his way is just going to get taken out. But it seems, like, really violent for some reason. And he ends up hurting people that he would not have hurt. Yeah. Um, and so that's just, I don't know, kind of frustrating to me. No, it seems a little weird. No, the, the sort of, um, like, death taker element is not what he would be. Yeah. sort of saddened by, I think would be the way that, Hey, you know, people were treated in that, that care. Um, shall we move into cues and O's? Mm-hmm. I don't have any questions. I never have any questions. Me neither. I decided to just stop asking because I just have signed up to be confused watching <laughs> season five of MTV's Teen Wolf. Yeah. We don't have any answers. I, yeah. Do you have any observations? Um, I just thought it was funny. 
the school library cards, I just feel like a school would not have sophisticated enough technology to know whose card was swiped. I, you know, I was thinking that our um, M cards at Michigan could get you into a building after hours if you were in rehearsal for a show during that time. So they'd have to know which student it was and like your M card number. Maybe. I don't but that was a university. That's a university. I feel like a high school slash also, I mean. Getting into a high school after hours is not a real thing. That does not exist. It's not. I mean, I graduated in 2012 dating myself here. Um, but I don't think like I never had a card that swiped for anything. Like it got me on the bus for free. Uh, uh, I that's didn't, it. I didn't have a high school ID that swiped me anywhere. Yeah, me neither. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I just in general feel like teen. One of the things that I really liked about Teen Wolf, love about Teen Wolf, is um, how thoughtfully and um, reverently almost it it. Um, approaches teen romance and it really feels like that has just it's gone there's there's no I don't want to say sex appeal because that feels weird but there's really no sort of um yeah like romance there's nothing that's sort of at this point there's nothing that's sort of like young love powering our characters to do crazy things you know and it's a part of the season five being so void of like lightheartedness i think it's okay to kind of like move on and evolve um and it, but it's even not the, that liam, I want... the liam and hayden things feels very like chaste and boring it does i don't <laughs> i i have never needed teen wolf to be a show about kids who fuck hate it because i hate that hate shit it. but it has it, it at the beginning was like about uh, it was a show about kids who are t- actual real teenagers and teenagers fuck like well, no i also think it was about making rash decisions because you're coming into these feelings about people and like your own like yeah totally sexual sense of self um, especially Scott, who like would have done anything for Allison at the beginning, um, and I mean, <laughs> you know made weird, like like even Jackson and Lydia made all of these weird sort of excuses for each other's behavior all the time. And again, I am so happy to see characters like grow up and move on. But what is the point of introducing like a new a next gen? Which is what you do with Liam. Without have, so, having their like weird hangups be part of the emotional center of the show. Yeah. And the and the Scott Kira thing I think never gets the time that it deserves. No. Um and Styles and Malia, like, they're very much a couple, but there's not any romance to it. Like I, I find it a little frustrating. Yeah, it's definitely sort of dispassionate. At this point, it used to be very. Yeah. It's been very removed from that, which is like maybe the setup to have Stidia happen later, but nah, I'm a little bored. I'm a little I, bored. I, I need a little something to spice it up. Interpersonal relationships includes romance. Yeah, because again, like I think going back to what we were talking about last episode, like right now we are absolutely devoid of like big emotional centers other than like hinging on weird morality discussions and like I'm bored. Well, and not only that, but like Styles and Scott have not had a scene together, like a meaty scene together in episodes. Yeah. 
I think the old, the last one I really remember is the 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 scene by the jeep in yeah. like episode two, and it's that like you take away the romance, you take away the um the heart, the literal heart of Teen Wolf, yes, of Scott and Styles, and it's just like I am. Where I'm, am I? I am thirsty. Yeah, for water, please. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, my observations. Malia drove them to. <laughs> The, she drove, <laughs> she drove me here. Malia drove them to the water treatment plant. That was cool because we know that Theo taught her how to drive and he sucks, but she's a better driver now. Um, Whatever gets you there. Um, I just mentioned the how weird the lack of consent of digging your claws into somebody's cervical spine is. What the F? <laughs> um, Theo plays such a good long game. He really does. I really think Theo is a great villain. I think he's at mo- weird moments you start rooting for him and you're like, what am I doing? Is it just because he's <laughs> handsome? Oh my God. Yes. The answer is yes. Yeah, maybe. Um, okay. When they all hug at the end. Okay. That, that was the most awkward <laughs> thing ever because obviously all of these people have really strong physical relationships with each other because a lot of them are fucking. So that's yeah. just like part and parcel, but legit when Theo hugged Scott, <laughs> it felt like in, um, Harry Potter 7 part 1 when Voldemort like <laughs> hugs Malfoy and everybody in the audience was like wow I wish I didn't watch that. No, it is that actually reminded me I was just visiting my grandparents and we like went to a Memorial Day get together and at a the, shindig a shindig and at the end of the night all these old people I did not know Hugged were you? hugging me goodbye. Ooh. And I was just like the best part about nice. the panini was that people I didn't know stopped hugging me. Some of it was fine like I gen- I I I like a good hug but I don't know any of these people and like when Theo and Mason hugged I was like you don't know each other well it would be one thing if Mason came up and was like thank you so much for saving my best friend but it's non-verbal oh weird okay anyway that was weird um hmm oh okay so when the Skira kiss happens at the rain in the end (laughs) there is this song playing I didn't look (laughs) I refuse to look up the title but oh my god so it's like I found love where it wasn't supposed to be. In a anyway. hopeless place. Anywho, <laughs> doesn't matter. That song is like the first song that I have like, I work retail and therefore can't <laughs> listen to this song anymore feeling towards. It, when our first, my first summer out of college, I was working at this cool store and that song played like twice a day and I couldn't downvote it enough on Pandora <laughs> to have it never play again. So when it started playing, I had like, I perked up and I was like, wait, what is this song? What is this song? And then I heard the chorus and I was like, no, <laughs> I experienced retail trauma ptsd in front of julia in real time i cannot explain to you how much i hate that song and it ruined that moment for me i really feel like there's probably there is almost certainly a song that is from like my retail trauma but i just remember that like for a whole year after working um holiday retail season at both bath and body works and charming charlie's (laughs) i was like if anyone puts on a christmas music station i will throw myself out of the car you know what song is destined to play in every store where you work retail is new slang by the shins (laughs) and when i hear it i'm like oh yes the retail song um, every time I am in a CVS and this, I, I don't know if it's just because CVS's share like song CDs, but every fucking time linger 
Yeah, Linger, Linger by the Cranberries is on at CBS every time you're there. And I actually like Linger, so I'm like, I'll sit and listen to the Cranberries for a second, but it is the CBS song. But also, like, the number of times that I have been to CBS at, like, a really low point in my life, or, like, mostly drunk, and you're just listening to you're just Linger. Like, am I going to cry right now? I'm standing in front of the nail polish. Like, and the really tinny speakers, and you're like, I just have to buy this fucking, like, single ramen. I'm going to treat myself. I'm gonna buy candy. Yeah, that's totally. Yeah, did it. you have to let it linger? linger. Please <laughs> remove it from the CBS soundtrack. Um, my last observation is that the Kitsune that like is overtaking Kira when we see it with Scott's real eyes is really masculine. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that is really interesting me to me that I sort of perceive this the fox overtaking her, and maybe it is because in part the story is that it's like overcoming her that I'm like it would have to be a man but the way that it's designed <laughs> is really masculine um and I I don't know if that was intentional if it was supposed to look powerful and they couldn't quite feminize it in the way like also do kitsunes have gender I don't know no but idea the automatic shouldn't just be mask I don't know I don't know why I <laughs> thought that that was an important thing to bring up but I wanted to bring it up no, I think that is interesting. I also, it cracks me up every time someone's like, look at me with your real eyes, because I just think of like the Lord of the Rings. It's like, Legolas, what do your elf eyes see? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, as opposed to his other, uh, like his, his elf eyes, you mean his eyes? His eyes, just his eyes. <laughs> because he's an elf. But they are, I guess, you know. Special. Special. I he's guess. got special ears. He does. They're pointy. They point toward the, the, the heavens. That's the whole thing about elf ears. Yeah. Um, let's wrap it up. Uh, do you have pack stats? I do. Um, we had five eyes. One claws. Nobody took their shirt off, I don't think. Fine. Cool. Oh, um, uh, we saw, like, what's-his-name's back with the ring- wings ripped off. Which I'm felt not like counting a- that as Well, a, no. You know why? Because it felt like a cop-out. I want to see the wings. I want to see them. Um... Yeah, they were gross. Um, no ads that I saw. First, I may have to correct myself like I did last week. Um, and four sirens is what I counted. I, some of them were kind of faint. I don't know if you're going to be able to hear them. But just know that there were four sirens. Crazy. Do you have an alpha of the week? Why is it Theo? <laughs> Theo saved. Theo, air quotes, saved Liam and Hayden. Yeah. Yeah, so... He didn't act. Like, he could have gotten them out at any time. At literally any yeah. time. Um, uh, I guess, actually, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to give it to Deaton for going all the way to Ukraine to learn nothing we did not already know. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, that was so <laughs> pointless. I know that they have to shoehorn in the Desert Wolf somewhere, but how much more interesting would season four have been if that were the plot line? Boo. Boo. Ugh. Every, anyway. sh- every show <laughs> should hire me to be like yes or no on decisions and I just get like three no's a season. Literally just yes or no. No other input. Yeah, exactly. Do you think this is a good idea? No. no. Yeah. I also yeah. think this way about every NHL team should hire me to be like yes or no on like every trade they make. I think I'd be like <laughs> really good at that job. Um, I don't know anything about hockey, but I will just agree with you. Hey, thanks. Welcome. Um, yeah, I... I guess, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, you know what, I'm going to give it to uh, Corey, who put up with everything in this episode and didn't have to. Yay, Corey. Yay, Corey. Um, there was a lot of bullshit. So much garbage. He violated, again, by Scott. Um, 
I think that about wraps it up, yeah? Yeah. So as I said in the beginning of this episode, you guys can uh, donate our, to our coffee. Again, we are always proud to give all of our bonus content free. If you guys feel like throwing us a couple bucks, you do not have to, but it's ko-fi.com forward slash channel free wolf. If you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes, we will shout you out on the pod five stars and we'll tell the world about what you said. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, that's at Teen Wolf underscore Real Wolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us on Tumblr at Teen Wolf Free Wolf, and our Facebook group is Teen Wolf Free Wolf Podcast. We'll let you in. We'll share the memes. If you'd like to buy any of our new Teen Wolf Free Wolf branded stickers, you can go to Redbubble and search Teen Wolf Free Wolf. Uh, those links are all in all of our social media platforms. Um, we are so thankful for you guys, truly, honestly. We can't say it enough. Uh, and without further ado, we hope you have a wolf of a week. Ow. Ow. Woo.